Hello, Antioch Dallas. So good to be with you today. I uh, hope uh, you are doing well and uh, way to go on being on time. Uh, parents, that trip to the living room is a little bit shorter than it was before. So uh, I got to praise God for those silver linings. Hey, just want to say, uh, I wish again, I know we say this each time, but wish we could be together. Um, but at the same time, so thankful that we get to get, get to be together online today. Uh, we love you and pray that you are well. And if you're new with us, maybe you're invited by a friend or a coworker or a neighbor. We're just so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Joe and I serve as a life group pastor here. And whether you're watching by yourself or with friends or with family, uh, I want to let you know that you are welcome to this church family and hope that you feel welcome today. Uh, so here is where we're headed in our time together. We're going to do three things. First, we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God through singing. Second, we're going to grow in our faith by learning from God's Word. And then lastly, uh, we're going to close by declaring God's goodness together over our week. It's going to be a great time together. As we begin, I want to encourage our hearts with a scripture uh, from John 7, 37 through 38. Now in this passage, Jesus is at a festival. He's at a party. And this party is meant to point the people to God's faithfulness, point the Israelites to God's faith faithfulness. During the festival, each day a priest would draw water up from a pool, reminding the Israelites of the time that God provided water for them in the desert. He would do this each day except on the last day. On the last day, no water was drawn up to point out that God would one day pour out His Spirit with living water. And here is what Jesus says in John 7, 37-38. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus is saying for anyone who believes in him, living water will flow through them, the Holy Spirit. So today you may feel dry like you're in a desert. You might feel like that river is slowed down to a trickle. Uh, you might be de in desperate need for God today. And I know many of us have experienced that over these last few weeks. I just want to reiterate from this scripture that Jesus is calling with a loud voice, come to me. And church, you have rivers of living water inside of you, and he gives life and he gives love to us today. So as we worship, let's let all Dallas hear how great our God is, and let's turn our eyes to him. is 
give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, and you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, you know just what to do.
Amen. Our God reigns. Thank you, worship team, for leading us, and thank you guys for singing and joining in. Uh, Though the pandemic has changed our plans in one way or another, our God reigns is a constant that will never change. Another constant is our mission and identity as a church. We are sons and daughters who encounter Jesus 
practice his ways and build his kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. Thank you all for living that out during this time. In a moment, we're going to hear from Nancy Eisenberg, who was one of our early childhood ministry directors, uh, and she's going to share from God's word. She is a gifted teacher and a woman of wisdom, and we are going to be blessed today by her teaching. But before I turn it over to her, I have a few quick announcements for our church. Uh, and if you're new with us today, just wanted to thank you again for joining us. We'd love to connect with you, pray with you. Um, and if that's you, uh, text in ADTX Connect with no spaces to the number 97,000. And one of our pastors would love to reach out to you and get to meet you. For our kids ministry, I have an important announcement. We are gonna have a virtual kids camp. That's right, a virtual kids camp to kick off the summer. Uh, with COVID-19 obviously changing a lot of different plans this spring, unfortunately we had to cancel our annual kids camp. But coronavirus is not gonna keep us down here. We'll be holding a virtual kids camp on Saturday, uh, May 30th in the morning. And so you can get ready, uh, kids and parents, for virtual small groups, for lots of fun and laughter and encountering Jesus together. Uh, kids of any age are invited to participate as they are able. Registration will be $10 and will end on May 24th. So sign up today on this link. You do not want to miss out. Also, wanted to update you on our house of prayer. We are a people in a church that is pressing into prayer. As a church, we're devoted to encountering Jesus and building God's kingdom with prayer. Over the last few weeks, we've logged over 55 hours in corporate prayer gatherings on Zoom. That's amazing, 55 hours over the past few weeks, and we believe devoted prayer transforms lives and will transform our city. As we move forward, we've made a few adjustments to our weekly prayer schedule that we want to let you guys know about. Go to antiochprayer.live backslash schedule for more information on ways that you can join with us in prayer. So hope you join with us this next week. Also, just speaking of prayer and changing lives, we believe God um, wants to encounter you and, and give you breakthrough today. Um, so we want to pray with you immediately after the service. Once our live stream ends, our prayer and prophetic team will be available to pray with you. So instead of, uh, as we normally do, go to the front of the stage. In this case, you click on a link. You go with praywithme.live backslash Antioch at the end of the service, and our prayer and prophetic team will be ready and excited to get to pray with you. And then lastly, thank you for being a generous church, especially during this time. Um, you can continue to give and build God's kingdom uh, by give, going to AntiochDallas.org to give. And I wanted to share with you a testimony of how your generosity has impacted um, people outside of the walls of this church. Because of your continued generosity, we were able to give meals to 12 medical units and feed over 184 healthcare professionals who are working on the front line. Wanted to share a testimony from Omar Muniz, who is a member of our church, on how your generosity has impacted him and his team. Hello, Antioch Dallas. This is Omar. I am one of the church members that is working as a nurse in the middle of this pandemic. And a few weeks ago, thanks to the generosity of Pastor Zach, the leadership, and the congregation, the staff of my unit received a fresh meal that arrived at the perfect timing for us. And it was such a kind and generous gesture. However, what followed after was even better. Uh, the staff of my unit had inquisitive minds wanting to know about our church, wanting to know about the Jesus that is at the center of our mission in our valley. And um, links were provided to our YouTube account 
And um, it was just a great reminder of how great the Lord is in, in all circumstances. And um, it was just greatly appreciated. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. And uh, much love and uh, blessings to everybody. Antioch Dallas, welcome home. I'm Nancy Eisenberg, and I serve as one of the co-directors of the Early Childhood Area here at Antioch Dallas. Today, I want to speak to you regarding having 2020 vision in unprecedented times, home edition. Now, does that mean that we're filming from my home? No. Remember, Zach spoke to us last week about the importance of strengthening our homes in this season. After all, home is home base, so primary, so fundamental to how we live out the overflow of our lives is what's going on at home base. The subtitle to my lesson could be First Things First, unprecedented. Like you, I've been hearing that word often the last two months. Previous to March of this year, I knew what it meant, but it really wasn't a word in my vocabulary. But I have access to Google. Unprecedented. It's an adjective meaning without previous instance, never before seen or experienced, unparalleled. It's just a fancy way of saying, I have never seen anything like this before in my life. Isn't it ironic that these things we're seeing and experiencing would be occurring in the year 2020? We all know that 2020 is normally used to express visual acuity, clear, crisp eyesight. I remember thinking it was kind of fun when we realized that our youngest child, Michael, would be a college graduate in the year 2020. And then, a little less than three months ago, our youngest grandchild was born on 2-20-2020. Little did we know then how 2020 would be marked by the description, unprecedented. Now, if you still need convincing that this word is a description of our time, let me tell you about a Corona Lingo Bingo card that I found online. The box in the top left-hand corner says, unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. Some of the unprecedented things have been lighthearted and imaginative during quarantine. David and I have attended a drive-by birthday party, a drive-by bridal shower, and even a drive-by baby gender reveal. We lived near a golf course that was closed until just recently, but neighbors were allowed to go ahead and enjoy the course as long as you stayed your six feet away. One day when I was walking, I saw a couple on the cart path with their dog right next to them. They were golfing and the dog was there too, unprecedented. Another day I passed a couple pushing their baby in a stroller and there were four golf clubs hanging out of the stroller basket unprecedented. If there's a category for most embarrassing unprecedented moment, mine occurred on Easter Sunday. We couldn't be with our children and our grandchildren, so instead of days filled with culinary anticipation, deviled eggs, ham, coconut cupcakes, banana pudding, prepping all those things like would normally happen, we decided we'd just order out for Easter lunch, curbside. 
Well, time got away from us, and we went on a long walk early that morning. We listened to Antioch Dallas and Antioch Waco, the podcast, the live stream, and then hunger pangs got the most of David, and he went and warmed up a hot dog in the microwave for Easter lunch. I remember thinking this, this is unprecedented. Of course, these silly examples don't touch the surface of the reality of what's being reported in the news as unprecedented, and honestly, what's being experienced by all of us. Loss of jobs and income, necessary homeschooling, severe illness, canceled weddings, canceled graduations, even postponed funerals. The trickle down is astounding. And I'm not in any way discounting the seriousness and the weight of what we and the world have been experiencing. I don't think it's overdramatic to say that there's been unprecedented confusion, contradiction, change, and conflict. But I'm going to be loyal to what Scripture says. It is our unchanging constant. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Bring me your true and sincere thanks. Honor me by trusting me in your day of trouble. Cry aloud to me and I will be there to rescue you. When our minds are spinning due to unprecedented, unsettling events and we don't understand what's happening, we must remind ourselves of what's not unprecedented. God's goodness. My friend Ann Voskamp recently posted, faith is confidence in the goodness of God no matter the confusion of the circumstances. A favorite Bible story of mine that relates to this is from 2 Chronicles 20. A brief synopsis is that the king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat, was given alarming news that a vast army was coming against him. His response is worth noting. He was resolved to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for all the people of Judah, and then he called all of them together. Scripture is specific in saying men, wives, children, and little ones stood before the Lord. Of course, I love that the little ones got a shout out. This was a family affair. Then the king starts praying with all the people assembled. He declares who God is, emphasizing his power and might, and recounting what God had done for them in the past. Then he cries out about the vast army that is soon to be there to attack them, stating clearly that they have no power to face them. Here's the portion I really want us to emphasize. Then the king prayed, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The rest of that story is that the spirit of the Lord fell on one of the prophets and gave God's message. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The battle isn't yours, but God's. You will not have to even fight the battle, but rather stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. The king 
and all the people bowed down and worshiped in response. Early the next morning, first thing, as they set out, there was a strategy. The king appointed singers to go out ahead of the army, singing and proclaiming God's holiness. Scripture notes the lyrics that they were singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And then verse 22 tells us that at the very moment that they began to sing and give praise, the opposing army started fighting themselves and they all killed each other, every one of them. No one was harmed in King Jehoshaphat's army. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Such a humble declaration. I noted earlier that the scripture is very specific to state who was involved and aware of the crisis and involved in crying out to God, the men, wives, children, and the little ones. Don't you know that for the rest of their lives, these men, wives, children, and little ones remembered how God had rescued them? It became part of their lifelong testimony. The question begs to be asked, what does it look like to live out these unprecedented times together as men, wives, children, and little ones with our eyes on God? What will your children remember and recount when they are older about these days? And what does it mean practically to have 2020 vision in unprecedented times? I think the answer to that question can be answered by asking another question. What are our eyes on? Priorities. Google says a priority is something that has the right to take precedence over other things. First things first. As someone who has worn glasses since the third grade, I can tell you that the first thing a person with impaired eyesight does in the morning is put their glasses on so they can sleep, see clearly. Spiritually speaking, without the lens of the word, we all have impaired spiritual eyesight. We must put on our corrective lens first thing in the morning so we can focus and see clearly. First things first. What does God's word say our eyes need to be on? We are clearly told to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We look to the example of how to live faithfully in unprecedented times. There are lots of things vying for the attention of our eyes these days, both spiritual and physical, fear, discouragement, and Netflix, to name a few. Our eyes must be focused on Jesus and the priorities in the home. This sets the course for everything else. I want to be very vulnerable with you. First thing in the morning, when I'm in that waking up time and thoughts are just start popping in my head, details of our new reality, one by one, 
I have to be prepared. I remember hearing Jimmy Seibert speak on having verses ready to, to fight your trigger thoughts. First things first. On most mornings before I even get out of the bed and sometimes in the middle of the night, I've repeated these verses in my mind and heart. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. The Lord did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. The Lord is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I am loved long and high and deep and wide. I do not know what to do, but my eyes are fixed on you. These are some of my go-to verses. I know that trust is my greatest need. First things first, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we set our focus on the trustworthiness of God, on his unfailing love. Set your focus on Jesus, his attitudes, his example, his heart, his ways. Scripture tells us Jesus got up first thing in the morning to be with God. View your circumstances, your family, through this lens. If I'm looking through the lens of anything else, especially fear, everything is distorted. Again, my friend Ann Voskamp puts it like this, without the lens of the word, the world warps. First things first. At the beginning of April, when the Dallas County Disaster Declaration was extended to May 20, I immediately thought of a word that I'd been hearing a lot lately in reference to severely affected COVID patients, intubation. Apparently, emergency clinicians use this procedure in stressful conditions and circumstances to manage a patient's compromised airways. I immediately felt like I needed a spiritual intubation due to this, the latest announcement, threatening to compromise my metaphorical ability to breathe under the weight and squeeze of our daily, ever-changing reality. I texted our immediate family and said, I think I need a spiritual intubation right now. Everybody share something you're thankful for. And they did and my spiritual passageways were cleared. In his wisdom, God directs us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not just a good idea, it's his will. If you're trying to figure out God's will for your family during these unprecedented times, here's a great place to start. Be thankful. You can even type in the comments something you're thankful for right now. And yes, we did that a couple of weeks ago. And yes, we need to keep on doing it. We need that discipline because thankfulness changes perspective. I learned a profound lesson on perspective several years ago when visiting an orphanage in Kenya. I went with my stepsister, Holly, whose daily rhythm includes going to the orphanage and loving on children, rocking babies, and feeding bottles prior to naps. 
One of the children Holly was especially invested in was named Rachel. She was three years old. And when Rachel had been a baby, she had been abandoned by her mother as a newborn and left in the bottom of a latrine to die. When she was found, her eyes were literally infested with maggots. She endured multiple surgeries, but was still considered legally blind. As we played with the children, I heard Rachel singing a song under her breath. I leaned in because it was a familiar tune. She was singing, God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me. We adults looked at each other as our eyes started moistening. And my immediate thought was, this is holy grand. Even with the impaired eyesight, Rachel was clearly seeing and perceiving the goodness of God. She recognized his goodness through the loving touch and attention of my sister and the other caregivers. Someone had taught her that song. Someone had taught Rachel to have thankfulness as her default response. She had clear perspective. First things first. Fix your eyes on God's presence. Zach has been speaking recently on us hosting the presence of God house to house. Lately, there's been very little hosting friends or even extended family members at our houses, but we certainly can host the presence of God. How is your hospitality skill set going lately? Is it on point? Does the Holy Spirit feel welcomed, engaged, included? Like Zach encouraged, regularly playing praise music at your home sets the mood and welcomes our guest. Is there evidence that he is welcome among us in our homes? One way to test that is to ask the question, how is your joy? Psalm 1611 asks, you fill me with the joy in your presence. In the story of King Jehoshaphat, the king recounts what God's done in the past and notes that they built him a sanctuary, a home for his presence. And they predetermined ahead of time that if evil, judgment, plague, <laughs> or famine came, they would stand before the sanctuary because his presence was in that house and they would cry out to him in their distress. He would hear them and save them. We are the sanctuary, the home for God's presence. Are we hospitable to his presence? We hosted two of our grandchildren for a couple of days after their little brother was born. One morning, after rushing them off to school, dressed in cowboy garb, I might add, uh, them, not me, I came back to the house and tenderheartedly observed the evidence that they had been with us. The nightlight was still on in the hall. Remnants of toys, Buzz and Woody were on the couch. Books, sippy cups, Uno cards, a ponytail holder. 
Is there evidence of God's presence in our homes? If so, what's laying around will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to dress in a way that makes God's presence feel like an honored guest. There have been so many jokes and memes about what people are wearing during our time of quarantine. But guess what? We don't have to guess or choose the acceptable wardrobe the Lord would have us dress in. He provides the ultimate stitch fix advice in Colossians 3. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered and content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It is your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. No mention of the scarf of fear or the wig of worry. First things first. Being dressed in that wardrobe honors God and honors each other. How you live your life is worship. When you love and value your spouse well, you are worshiping. Remember those wedding vows you took several years ago? This is not a drill. The year 2020 is putting those vows to the test. Traditional wedding vows go something like this. You promise to love, honor, and cherish one another for better or worse, richer or poorer, sickness or in health. This pretty much sums up our 2020 dichotomy. This is the time to not only love your spouse well, but really cherish your spouse. Hold them dear. Treat them like a treasure. Cherishing should be the prevailing model of marriage right now. Put into practice, Romans 12, 10, outdo one another in love. Make a competition of it. What a witness that would be to our children. Nothing encourages security for a child like knowing his parents' relationship is stable. We must view our loved ones through the lens of Jesus' love, how he sees them and not through the lens of criticism. First things first. How does Jesus see that person? How would he have me respond to them? Verbalize this week to your children something you love or appreciate about their other parent. Maybe type it in the comments, but don't stop there. Watch your child glow when you announce to the whole family something you love or admire about them. Encourage one another and build each other up. What incredible times these are to train and disciple our children, to show them that we value God's word and prayer, to model asking for forgiveness and forgiving. More than ever, we do not know what tomorrow brings. 
Lately, I've thought a lot about the James 4 passage that talks about our need for humility when we're approaching the future. We've been forced to hold our plans loosely now. Our eyes are on God and for His will to be worked out. And that is good. He is a good, loving, trustworthy Father. Be ingraining that truth in your children. We give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. It's what we do. It's who we are. First things first. Often, we need each other to keep our focus on Jesus. More than a couple of times, I've been dearly referred to my husband, David, as my seeing eye person. While we've been in quarantine, I've had a personal goal of walking 10,000 steps a day. If I don't reach my goal one day, then I just add those missteps to the next day's quota. One morning, I knew I was going to need to walk about 19,000 steps because the previous day had been a staying in your pajamas all day. So needless to say, I hadn't gotten in any of my steps. I got out the door early and headed toward the golf course to walk the cart pass. I had my AirPods in and was listening to the praise songs and edifying podcasts. And I just kept walking since I knew I had a lot of ground to make up. The paths I walked have multiple courses connected with a total of 63 holes. I think I saw all 63 of them and they all looked alike. After about 18,000 steps, I realized I was lost and I had no way of figuring out how to get back to the house. So I walked some more. I have a reputation for being directionally deficit, so I did not want to humble myself and admit to my ridiculous plight. And I was slightly nervous David would think that these were early signs of dementia. Finally, though, I called David. In fact, I FaceTimed him. I told him what had happened. He didn't shame me. He had returned the lens to the golf course, and I do not understand this, but he knew exactly where I was. He said, I'll lead you back, stay on the phone. And so with the lens on the course, for him to see, he directed me. He directed my steps all the way back home. In our homes, we must have the same grace for each other. If one of us gets off course, in humility, admit it and ask for help getting back on. If you're the one who sees your loved one is struggling, give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't shame them and kindly lead them back. We need each other during these confusing times kindly remind each other of scripture. Pray together, play praise music, just spout out something you're thankful for. Years ago, we had a litter of Bichon puppies. They were so cute, white and fluffy with big dark eyes. And when they were about five weeks old, we noticed something odd about one puppy. Normally, all you could see of the dog's eyes was the dark pupil. But one particular puppy's eyes started veering off toward the opposite corners of its head. We're no experts, but we knew that wasn't right. 
one eye went this way and one eye went that way and all you could see was a lot of white in the front. David affectionately nicknamed him Marty. Not for Marty West, but for Marty Feldman. Google it. We knew we needed to figure out what was going on with that dog, especially since we had plans to sell him. I made an appointment with the doggy ophthalmologist and she put her funny examination glasses on, peered into Marty's eyes, sat him back down, and announced very matter-of-factly that the dog was totally and completely blind. In fact, he had no retina at all. I was stunned. And I said, what does one do with a completely blind dog? The assistant in the room said, I'd love to take him. She then proceeded to pull a picture out of her pocket and showed me her dog family, which consisted of about six dogs of varying sizes and disabilities. The doctor told me that would be a wonderful atmosphere for Marty to be in, because though he couldn't see, he'd be able to sense where to go and what to do by the other dog's movement. We were fascinated by this because that was exactly what we'd witnessed about him. He would run in the backyard with all the other puppies. He would eat out of the puppy bowl right alongside the other puppies. Google says a function of the retina is that it sends impulses to the brain to create visual perception. Whether intentionally or not, we influence each other's visual perception. First things first. Be committed to focusing your eyes on Jesus and his ways so you can in turn help guide your family's vision, perspective, and perception. Back to the word unprecedented. Does it necessarily have to dictate a negative connotation? Remember that bingo card I told you about? Corona, lingo, bingo? What if we had an unprecedented lingo bingo card of our own, home edition. What if during this time, our families were able to mark on the card the spot for unprecedented kindness, unprecedented generosity, unprecedented fun, unprecedented family time, unprecedented appetite for God's word and prayer, unprecedented joy, unprecedented Precious moments, bingo! COVID-19 in 2020 is part of our story going forward. It's part of our children's story also. How will this chapter read in the biography of our lives? What will your children remember and recount when they are older about these days? Will it be a spiritual marker like it surely was for King Jehoshaphat and his people? Or will it be a time marked by fear, uneasiness, impatience? The script of our lives in our minds has been rewritten. We didn't see it coming, but God knew. Last time I had the opportunity to speak to you, I told you the story of my mother's death. 20 years after that, I found myself in the room of another dying woman that I loved deeply, my mother-in-law. 
For just a few moments, I was with her by myself because David and his siblings were in the hallway caring for their father. She was drifting in and out of consciousness, and I was holding her hand, and I quietly sang to her. Now, I'm not the singer in our family, but I didn't think she'd really mind. I wanted her to know that I, her daughter-in-law, knew her story. I softly sang the words of the old hymn, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine, opens the song. And the chorus announces, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Jesus all the day long. I knew that had been her story. I wonder sometimes what songs our children will sing over us as a testimony to the stories of our lives. Like I said, I'm not the singer in our family, but my David, he's one of the singers. Little known fact, and don't tell him I told you this. David sang the song, I Pledge My Love, as I walked down the wedding aisle. We were from a heritage that didn't use instruments, so it was straight up him singing a cappella with a few hums from the small chorus in the balcony. When I got to the front of the sanctuary and was standing right in front of him, he had sung two verses and he still had one left. At one point, he was concerned he would become too emotional, so his gaze momentarily shifted from me to my dad's eyes until he could regain his composure. To this day, they are like this. I never took my eyes off David, my fixed eyes off of David. He was my bridegroom and I was his bride. No doubt my dad loved hearing a song of devotion and pledged love being sung to his daughter. In the same way, our eyes must be fixed on Jesus, our bridegroom. His song of devoted love should be what's filling the sanctuary of our hearts, the sanctuary of our children's hearts, the sanctuary of our homes. I have never in 37 years of marriage doubted David's love for me. Similarly, and really how much more, we cannot doubt God's love even in these unprecedented times, actually maybe especially in these unprecedented times. But rather, we must keep our eyes focused on his love and respond tenderly to it. God wants us, all of us, men, wives, children, and little ones, to hear his heart beating with love for us. Zephaniah 3.17 tells us, He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And so, the heartfelt response and default battle cry of each individual and family is, First things first, our eyes are on you. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever.
Wow. Thank you, Nancy, for that encouraging word. Uh, keeping first things first, namely keeping Jesus first, is so important for us, not only in this time, but in every season of our lives. Thank you so much for sharing uh, those words of wisdom with us today. Well, as we end our time today, uh, we're going to say our declaration. Our declara declaration is based off of Isaiah 61, and we say it every week to reorient us around who Jesus is, uh, what he's doing in us and through us as a church. So let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus is the bread of life, and that means he is good news for our poverty, healing for our brokenness, liberty for our bondage, favor for our world, victory over our darkness, comfort for our sorrow, and provision for our need. As such, we are called to be sons and daughters who encounter Jesus. He is at work in our lives, transforming our ashes into beauty, mourning into joy, despair into hope, and building us into oaks of righteousness planted by God to display His splendor. As such, we practice His ways that we might grow vibrant like oak trees. He is at work through us to see people who have been stranded by sin rescued to life and liberty in Christ. As such, we desire to leverage our lives to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Church, so good to be with you. We are praying big prayers for you as we persevere through this time together. Hope to be with you soon. We love you. Go in peace.